0: Hubhopper Originals. Hi, today I wanted to share with you the story about a story in my book, uh, The Other. The name of the story is Grief is a Beast. And it's actually a story that I wrote at a time of great personal struggle. Um, It was at a time when my mother was struggling through the last month of her life when I started to write this story. And I finished writing it after I had lost her. So obviously it comes from a very, very personal, difficult time in my own life. Well I wrote the story and because I was working on the other which is a collection of short stories I put this in there but after it was published I've often wondered did this story really belong in a book for young adults and I've doubted myself on this choice of having put it in and then Last month, I went to a school uh, where, in preparation for my coming, each of the three sections of the class had uh, read one story. Each of them had read a different story. And one of them had read, one class had read the story Grief is a Beast. Um, the teacher called me the previous day and said that the children have really connected with this story. And could you read this, this story when you come? I practiced it because I'd never done a read aloud of it. Uh, I was practicing it and I found myself breaking down in tears all the time. So next day, when I went to the school, I told them that I couldn't do this story. But there were so many children talking about it that the other sections who hadn't read it said, ma'am, please, can you do this story? And I said, I I can't, because I'm not sure I'd be able to get through it. It's still too raw a place for me. So they said, well, can we read it for you and for the other sections? So I said, sure. And they did a marvelous reading of it. A whole lot of us were crying. Some kids, I noticed, had to leave the hall. But the questions, the kind of chord that it struck. So yes, it's a difficult story. But gosh, how young people have responded to it. I mean, I greatly respect them that they were able to empathize and understand and get into the skin of that that story. So here it is. Grief is a beast. Grief is a heavy beast who sits on your chest and bends your shoulders down. Grief is a beast who whispers unwords into your mind and paralyzes you. Grief is a beast who will slip through your spine, unraveling it so you cannot stand up straight and tall anymore. Grief is a beast. I am too young for this, to feel like this. But grief, and I use the capital because it is a beast, a being that is more real than a father or mother or brother who can be small-lettered. But not grief. Grief is too heavy a beast for my very young shoulders. It may be okay when you're older, but grief's too big for my size. Yet here it is, claws and jaws and eyes that bind you into stillness. I'm too young to be this still. Yet here I sit, unmoving, for there's enough movement all around me, a whirling of Darvesh's who will not stop. Someone is getting flowers, someone's arranging them into shapes that are supposed to be pretty or soothing, but they're not. The smell of them is the smell of the beast. I will never love the smell of marigolds again. The smell, sweet, coming, clawing into your mouth and nose and choking the life out of me. But I am still. I cannot move my hand to shut off my nostrils. I want desperately to lie down, but my brain won't read my heart, and so my muscles don't get the instruction. If I was to move, it would be because I had fallen down. Grief is my shroud, even as they draw the shroud over my mother. My mother. Someone taps me on the shoulder, telling me to be brave. I don't know what's expected of someone who's supposed to be brave just now. Am I to take up arms, to fight? Am I to stop speeding cars with my bare hands? I look at my hands. They're so empty. I have no cards left to play. No tricks up these sleeves of mine. The only thing I can do is to keep holding my mother's hand as though I will never let go. Her cold, cold hand. It does not hold me back. The only thing I can do is to not let them take her when the time comes. The time has come. There's nothing more I can do to keep my mother here. They will be taking her away. And after that, it will all be done someone says to me i'm sorry you lost your mother and somehow i almost laugh out loud for a horrible moment i think i grinned because i look at the look i look at the sheer surprise on the other person's face i must have grinned a voice inside me wants to get out and say i've not lost her silly." You make it sound as though I've misplaced her somewhere, the way she always was misplacing her glasses, as though I've lost her in a way I can find her again. I've not lost her. She's dead. I quell the voice. I straighten my face. I almost apologize for the smile. But all I do is to meekly nod my head and acknowledge the condolence. I try to distract myself, fill my mind with thoughts of food, but that's too nauseating. There's no food being cooked in our house. Food comes from another unknown kitchen, a kitchen that doesn't know that I don't like garlic in my food, and tomato skins have to be removed from the curry, or I'll gag on them. But the fires in our house have been put out. No fragrance of frying onions, no wafts of cinnamon tea. There will be no mother-cooked food again, ever. Oh, the home fires will start. Salt will be sprinkled, onions will fry. But always by other hands, never by mother hands. And then a month passes, or is it two? Am I breathing? Am I whole again? No, no. I'm more a whole than whole. The emptiness growing inside me as the black hole inside me sucks light and laughter. On the outside, I can smile and even laugh a little. On the outside, I nod my head at someone who talks to me and double up with laughter when someone cracks a joke. Double up, yes. Because then no one will know that I'm not really laughing my head between my knees, laughter-like sounds escaping my lips, and in my head there are instructions going towards my heart saying, buckle up, cover up, don't let them know, don't let them know. And mostly, no one does. And then a time comes when the lump in my throat shrinks a little. There's no light as yet but the darkness seems to be less dense. I feel I need to talk to someone. I realize I haven't spoken to anyone since. I think of my father. Has he talked to anyone? Or has he been locked in his silence? For me, my go-to person was my mother, from the smallest scraped knee to a broken heart after being dumped. But who will my father go to? I think about it. Yes, my life stretches long ahead of me. But my father, my father, he's, it's too late for him to start over, isn't it? Who will he turn to? I'm standing in front of Dad's room now. His door is shut as it's been a lot nowadays. I hadn't really thought about how shut in he has been. I feel a pang of guilt and then quail it with a, well, I'm here now. I knock and wait, knock, wait, knock. Who is it? The voice is so faint. He must have been asleep. It's just, it's just me, Papa. His yes is formal, as if I'm a hawker come to the door to sell something. I am, in a way. I'm selling a shoulder to cry on, an ear to hear. But how do I tell him this? It sounds so corny. Besides, we were never this kind of family before. I look at him. He wasn't asleep. His hair is neatly combed. He is neatly, even crisply dressed. He was just shut in his room. He was just shut in, like I was. Papa, you need something? Just you, I want to say. But instead, I try to smile at him. (sighs) Yes, grief is a beast, and I think it's here to stay. But here I am, as ready as I ever will be to bring the beast out of the open. It will not feed off my silence again. And maybe I, no, maybe we, together, we can start to tame the beast after all. Thank you अगर आप भी अपना podcast launch करना चाहते हैं, तो HubHub Studio वेबसाइट पे register करें और एक मिनट के अंदर अंदर अपना खुद का podcast launch करें। यही नहीं, Studio देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी, कभी भी अपना podcast launch करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान steps में। तो साथ में अपना podcast शुरू करने के लिए तैयार? Just hop on. HubHub. Simply content.